You have Nighttime Economy, the podcast from 24-Hour Nation. My name is Randall White. As you might imagine, there are dozens of consultancies in the world that provide research and counsel in the fields of nighttime, nightlife, and cultural economies. It used to be that communities would retain these individuals or groups to help assess opportunities, list cultural assets, identify cultural consumer habits, and then recommend strategies on how the community can strengthen their nightlife and nighttime cultural scenes. That does not seem to be enough anymore. I mean, why stop there? Why not be a bit more aggressive and help communities plan and add the new cultural assets they need to generate more economic and social value? We will explain all this in this episode of Nighttime Economy as we speak with Jet Glozier, Global Head of Business Development for Sound Diplomacy in the UK. We begin with Jet telling us about Sound Diplomacy. We're a consultancy. We work all around the world. And our focus is on growing the creative economy in cities and places. Fundamentally, we work a lot with um, the public sector. That might be um, local authorities, municipalities, you know, all the way up to states or, or, or even nations on how the creative economy can play a role in their either their society or their wider economy and, and how that interacts with um, the community. Um, as well as you know, ways it can create jobs or opportunities. So when we talk about the creative economy, Sound Diplomacy is very well known for its work in the music industry, hence the name uh, Sound Diplomacy. But in the last five years particularly, we've really, really grown into the wider creative sector as well. So we can include things like um, film, digital media, TV, um, even to like the wider placemaking sense as well. So what that fundamentally breaks down to is our strategic direction and insights into how places can leverage and grow their creative economy to better the lives of the people who live there, perhaps solve um, regulatory hurdles that they might be having, and really look for it to be a, a thing that it runs throughout these places and these cities. We also work actually a lot in the private sector as well, which I'll just, I'll just touch on. I know we, you said we'll mention it as well, but we work a lot with the bigger landowners and developers around the world. Particularly, we're quite focused in the UK and the US on this, North America. So um, that's looking at how the creative economy, and you know, we might say culture in inverted commas, can be used in regeneration and master plans uh, when we are planning our cities and our places that we live in. So yes, yeah, so Sound Diplomacy, we work across a lot of a broad spectrum. I appreciate this is a nighttime economy podcast. So the, uh, the nighttime economy filters throughout that as well. So we obviously, and, and I'm sure some of your um, listeners do, we focus on the creative aspect of the nighttime economy. So that's, yeah, music, that side of things and you know, the events that people go to and how that plays a part in the places that we live. You're absolutely correct. Our focus laps over all often into the creative economy because that's a, a major driver of the nighttime economy as well. Now, the followers for 24-Hour Nation's podcast uh, include nighttime economy managers, municipal officials, urban planners, social service agencies, promoters, nighttime business owners, of course, other consultants working in the nighttime space. So g- given that audience, How does the path of sound diplomacy intersect with the path of our followers? At what point might you want to intersect more with municipal officials or urban planners, et cetera? Yeah, it's a a really good, um, it's a good point. So 
when we are usually employed by a public body, say let's let's say that's a city, for example, it's usually one who has a a real key interest in the creative economy, or let's say the nighttime economy. So those are usually, um, say, the chambers of commerce who want to look at the actual value of the creative economy. It might be a tourism board. Um, so there you look at the tourism managers and nighttime managers, etc., uh, who have an active um, engagement in this. Um, and it might be you know, the local planning department or licensing department, let's say, as well, who employ sound diplomacy and look at how our work can impact you know, their role and their objectives within the public sector. When we work in the private sector, it, it's it's different slightly. Some of the objectives might be the same, but we are usually employed by either the master planning architect or by the actual client and developer themselves. That's actually usually the latter. So there's lots of different ways, and those are actually typically who who employs us and who you know who gets our insights and owns the work that we do. But then you mention all the others, you know, like the promoters and people like that. More than typically, they are a key stakeholder in the work. So we talk about the people who can influence the work or have the most influence in the cities and places. So we dig deep into some of those. A really good example is when we worked with Manchester in the city, uh, the city of Manchester, we did a, a music economic impact assessment. They actually had a, a music board set up ready to go who would help us with our project to make sure we were speaking to the right people, we were getting the right data, uh, etc. And that consisted of lots of local promoters, venue owners, even people within the local authority themselves in other departments. And that was actually one of the most successful projects because of that, because it had such wide and enthusiastic stakeholder um, buy-in from the beginning. And your experience, I presume, because it's also been my experience and the experience of everybody else I've heard from, is that stakeholder buy-in sometimes makes the complete difference in a project success or not, correct? Almost certainly, yeah. I think a misconception sometimes about perhaps the work that we do or any consultant is they will write a strategy they'll do the research and fundamentally because they've done it success will will happen or you know you're going to get those results in our case you know people might think that they become a music city because a report has been written and that's it's just really not the case that's sort of where the hard work starts sometimes um you have to know you know we and we help with this you know who needs to do what where does money need to be spent? That's what we're really doing here. We do the engagement to find you know, who we need to speak to and let's, let's hope we can speak to as many people as possible. But you still need the continued buy-in of a city, of a place who wants to see this through. Um, and some places have done that better than others. Well, and I have to tell you, the sound, one of the sound diplomacy studies, one of the first ones that I came across several years ago, I think it was done in partnership with Andrein Saias. Uh, was the eye-opening document for me that led me down this entire interest area for uh, what's possible in a city in its creative and nighttime economies. And uh, it's a very great primer. I have it on our website for anybody who wants to go look at it. But tell me, there's a quote from there. It said, sound diplomacy works at the intersection of creativity, economics, and community. Now, we just talked about that a little bit, but can you explain Bound on that a bit in terms of what does that mean, combining those three tracks, creativity, economics, and community? When we talk about the creativity, we talk about the actual creative economy. And we we try not to, um, well, we have our own definitions for that, but we try not to stick to one thing too much, whether that's just music. So, um, or it could be film, digital media, and all these other aspects of that. So we keep that quite broad. 
Um, but when we work with a place, you know, we can we can narrow that focus down as, as much as we need to. When we talk about the economy, um, Sound Diplomacy has, I believe, what, four or five full-time economists at the moment. Um, so one of our big USPs and selling points is able to value what the creative sector is worth to a city or place. So what is the music industry worth to, let's say, the city of Cardiff in the UK? Or what is it worth to Orlando? I think it's probably one of our strongest points is able to do this economic impact assessment and work out what things are worth. And if we continue to invest more into, let's say, the music economy or the nighttime economy, what could that be worth going forward? Um, I, well, and let me let me jump in here for just a yeah, second. Thanks. When you say what what that might be worth in terms of the GDP, the general economic growth of an area, the kind of thing that makes an elected official and city official sit up and go, oh yeah, so is that what we're talking about in worth? Absolutely, yeah. So usually we talk in um, in terms of GVA. So um, what is that actually worth to the local economy? And we define what that local economy means. Um, really, you're looking at you know the amount of businesses, etc., the amount of actual you know money, whether that's dollars or pounds or, or whatever currency going through the city, uh, and then also jobs created as well. So how many jobs are in either the music industry or you know, the wider creative sector, whatever it is that we're trying to um, do some analysis at that time. Yeah, and then the third point is community. Um, fundamentally all the work we do is not for the community we do it with the community so we always try to engage a local community have them involved in workshops in roundtables etc we're not coming in to you know be an out-of-town consultant who hands you something and, and tells you what to do a big part of the process is finding out where have been the obstacles previously you know what are the constraints what are the positives you know what what are the strengths where can we build on these places to the community um, has two actually two sections of that you can talk about the creative community itself which is you know the people who are actively engaged in culture or you know the nighttime economy and then we can talk about the wider general public as well and how they might be benefited by you know some of the work that we look to do in cities and then one of the big keywords and things that we talk about a lot is social value um, so sound diplomacy have spent a lot of time uh, in the last um, couple of years looking at how to measure social value and actually try to put a um, you know a pound or a dollar sign against mm. that. Um, and we've done that in a few places at the moment. And we continue to expand that. Um, the reason being is you know, most of our cities and places in the public sector, social value is the thing that is key to them at the moment. Actually, the private sector, off the back of sort of ESG criteria, if you, if you guys know what that is, yes. um, yeah, the social value side of things has become far more prevalent in the private sector as well, which is great which is good so we combine those two things both the economics and the the social value side of it as well and now sound diplomacy has six service areas from some of the documentation i've seen i wanted to go through each of these i'm not sure we're going to have time but that but i'm going to list them and then maybe we cherry pick a couple of that really where you can give an example i know the one i'm burning to hear you talk about mm -hmm. but uh, i'll so i'll bring that up but service area number one strategic creation and implementation research and analysis we've talked about that a little bit already economic impact and social value assessment we were just talking about that a bit infrastructure and development that's the one i want to come back to creative placemaking and then events i know that um, the music city events part of sound diplomacy is about to rebrand itself or has rebranded itself as monumental and they have a couple of major events coming up here this year and we'll get to that in just a second but i want to talk about the thing that really knocked my socks off in terms of infrastructure and development and the work you did in alabama 
Tell Absolutely. us about that. Yeah, sure. So I, I think it's worth saying, so sound diplomacy is, is mostly known for its research and its strategy and its insights. So those are the things um, that you, I think one and two basically you listed, right? So these are our music strategies for places uh, or creative economy strategies or nighttime economy strategies for places. And while we are um, still successfully and doing numerous of those sort of various times, a big part of what came into this was actually things being built in cities because that's where a lot of the big, large investment into the creative economy uh, actually comes from. So Huntsville is a is a great example, and I personally can't take any credit for it because it was before my time. But we um, we worked with um, the city of Huntsville to create a music strategy. So it was a music audit initially. So that was um, Shane and our, my colleague Athu as well, and, and Caitlin and various other people who have been with us for a long time. So working out what the city needed in terms of its music ecosystem. And one of those things it turned out was an, an arena or an amphitheater. So... We did some initial work on that about, okay, what would the sizing be? We did some engagement with the city on, you know, who should be the operator? How would it be, you know, create the best benefit to the community uh, as well as the music ecosystem? So we, um, Shane, actually, and a few of the other team introduced um, the venue group um, to, to Huntsville, to the city. And, you know, a few years later and lots of hard work from the venue group and a bit of work from us as well, um, you see the Orion. Um, so the Orion is um, an eight and a half thousand capacity amphitheatre owned by the city, operated by TVG. Um, I think it's just been named Rolling Stones Best Outdoor uh, Venue, which is great. Um, I've been there personally and it's it's absolutely fantastic. I think they had Snoop Dogg play there recently and Dave Matthews Band and all sorts. It's, it's, it's really fantastic. Very nice. Um, so that was Sound Diplomacy is actually our first foray into, okay, things get built off the right. back of us. And we weren't really involved in the feasi- like the technical feasibility. And that's what I wanted to sort of tell you is Sound Diplomacy, um, so my background is a little bit more construction and built environment. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I sat down with Shane and Rob, our CEO, and a few years ago and said, I think this is one of our biggest opportunity areas was we do the public sector quite well, but what about the private sector and actually the things being built um so nowadays we work a lot with um looking at infrastructure and the feasibility of it so we've got a couple of projects at the moment where we're looking at okay can this city withstand a new amphitheater or arena and we do the detailed market assessments um we're also um working with architects now as well we bring the architects in and work for us and we do the concept design we're doing some initial costings we're really going further down that uh, services and you know that that way of thinking we're working with two fantastic architects um one based in the uk called um, studio eager at west absolutely fantastic and another one who are us and uk called rios um based in la actually mainly um so we're looking at things like amphitheaters in you know some of the warmer parts of the us um some arenas as well we've got a couple where we are looking at turning old shopping centers into cultural hubs um, what what does the um you know what are the dynamics of that require so sound diplomacy will do the business model and the feasibility and the market assessment and then we work with architects to work out okay how does that actually come together and, and what does that look like and that's um i think that's some of our most exciting work at the moment i think the idea of an adaptive reuse of a shopping center is very valid right now with the retail what it is these buildings are going vacant now you, i do want to mention two things you mentioned shane shapiro he's the founder of uh, sound diplomacy you also talked a little bit about the, your background and i did want to talk on that usually a lot of people who come into the nighttime or creative economy space come there as a creator as a 
promoter or a DJ or an artist or maybe an urban planner, your path was different. And it is now infusing your work in sound diplomacy and kind of the directions, new directions of sound diplomacy, right? You started out in kind of insurance and then construction, and then that segued into project management. How is that filter really helping bring to your work and to sound diplomacy what's possible and what's next? Yeah, it, I thought about this question beforehand, and it's, you know, I feel that in our industry, there's not many people who go a typical route into mm -hmm. the creative sector. They've normally got some life lessons and some battle scars along the way, and that's what makes our industry and, you know, this various industry so so fascinating. So, yeah, my, my story, I mean, I, yeah, I started off as a broker, but the sort of the less said about that, the better, to be honest. But <laughs> I, then, um, I then went into um, construction. Um, and I was like, actually, I'm really interested in the built environment and how things get done. But I got an opportunity, which you can sort of see from my, my CV, to build and operate, sorry, to, to actually project manage a nightclub being built um, from a, a friend of a friend. I was only supposed to be there six weeks just to oversee the construction of it. And yeah, eight years later, I was the operations director of this venue. I'd helped build another one. We had co-working spaces, festivals. So I'd gone into the creative sector via the built environment sector um and then from there was you know didn't want to leave actually so i'm i'm trying to sort of forge and you know be that specialist between you know culture and the built environment both in the uk and the us it seems to be that's going a, well. yeah it's a fantastic asset i think and for the work of sound diplomacy now let me back up a little bit to a couple of the events that are planned the music city events changed its name has it changed fully over to monumental or is it still kind of in a process of changing to that the Music Cities events will still be called Music Cities events because, you know, that's what it's about, right? It's how right. a place can be a music city. But their wider brand is monumental. And they are looking at other things like the thought leadership, the education pieces where they're right. really, really investing in. And that's, um, I think, I think that's why they needed a little bit of a, you know, a bit of a refresh on how they think things and how they do things. But there's just a few things of those to mention. So one is the last one that I went to was in Huntsville. I don't know um, if anyone... Right. From your listeners from there yeah we did it in huntsville because of the work that we've done and it was absolutely fantastic 400 odd um participants there and um, delegates etc um where we spoke a lot about you know the music economy how you grow it but we also touched on some of this built environment stuff as well which was really right. good so that was fantastic and this year they've got a uh a music tourism one in cape breton i think that's fantastic what a wonderful place to do something like that yeah, abs absolutely. And you know, Cape Breton has a you know a long history of actually Celtic music. Mm -hmm. Um so they're looking at to draw influences from other places, you know, you can imagine in Ireland, et cetera, and how they've how they've drawn and got people um you know involved or to attend a place um due to its music. So that's really good. And then the other one that they are um potentially working on is one in the Middle East at the moment as well, which I think has been announced, but I won't say too much just in case it hasn't. But yeah, a big just in case it hasn't. A big um a big music cities event in the middle east as well so that's again part of our it's it's half of half of our company sort of half um independently owned and it works really well together. and what it does it brings an opportunity to showcase the music of a place at the same time to bring international music community together and recognize um, outstanding work by various local groups uh, wherever they are in the world isn't that correct yeah absolutely i mean the 
showcasing what a city already has is actually is part of it. But right. The big thing is learning from those other places and really being a place where people can you know learn from each other. And we bring delegates in from you know international delegates in, and they get to meet people, and it's a really good um, like melting pot of people in our industry you know i'll be there and i'll, I'll meet someone from the texas music office there and we sure. can talk about that and you know it, it is a really good um networking opportunity as well i am talking with jet glozier global head of business development for sound diplomacy he's based in london in the uk you can find them at sounddiplomacy.com also all over uh, social media linkedin instagram twitter as well as the music cities events uh, they're located on social media as well. Now, I note that sound diplomacy projects are planned in the this year for some of the continental U.S., Puerto Rico, and the U.K. What can you tell us about any of these projects that are in the works? Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you the one that I think is, you know, as a team, we're really proud of to be starting, and that's uh, a music strategy in the city of Memphis, Tennessee. It has a fantastic history, obviously. Oh, yes. Um, and we are extremely privileged uh, and proud to be working there. Um, so we're, we've actually just started the project. We're going to be doing some roundtables in, in April, I believe. Um, so we're looking at, you know, how Memphis can you know, get hold of its music uh, industry and really, really leverage it and grow it um, and perhaps, you know, compete with the other, the other big city <laughs> in the state, which probably gets all the attention um, and, and, you know, how, how that can be done. So we're working with there. Um, got, we've got a really interesting project, actually, um, not necessarily music, um, but we're working with the Andy Warhol Museum. Uh, there it is, in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Correct, yeah, on a development called the Pop District. So we are looking at the area around the museum of them and how they can use the buildings um, to create opportunities for the wider creative sector as well. That is, that's really, really interesting. Um, you mentioned Puerto Rico. We are just... I think we're in a sort of closing finishing at the moment. So it's a music and entertainment strategy um, for Invest Puerto Rico. Uh, my colleague Athu was actually in Puerto Rico two weeks ago, I think, presenting some of our findings there as well. So that's really, really cool. Um, and then in the UK, one of our most um, recognisable clients is the Earls Court Development Company. Um, that is a private sector client, um, big master plan um, developer who are building you know, four and a half thousand homes in the next 20 years in central London. So it's really, really uh, exciting. We are the lead cultural consultant for that. So we are helping them form how culture and the wider creative sector will be built into this uh, new neighborhood. So it's going to have some venues, uh, maybe some record shops, et cetera, but also looking at things like the training opportunities for the creative economy, um, et cetera. So there's quite a lot of work there. Um, so we're very excited by that. Too. It's all also very exciting new thinking, I think, to how we develop cities and communities and strengthen them and invigorate them. And I uh, commend you and Sound Diplomacy on this work. Of all the Sound Diplomacy projects you have witnessed or had a hand in, which one do you think is going to have or has had the greatest impact on the community? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. Um and I have I have struggled to to pin that down because we have projects such as Earl's Court that we mentioned where nothing exists, right? So we have um, essentially a, a bit of a, a blank canvas to create something, um, and you know this is a huge opportunity to you know, build new venues and create these opportunities. So really, we have we have that, and then we work in some places where the communities probably need. Um, some further investment and some, you know, uh, a bit more showcasing of what 
already exists and what opportunities they are. So places like Memphis, for example, we know the hip hop community there and the music there has not been given the opportunity that it deserves and what it needs. And personally, that's the one I'm most excited to see what comes about there. Um, it would be good to see, you know, how we can give you know, those local artists a platform or how the city can, you know, invest in them properly, etc. So those two, I'm actually, you know, they're very different, but I think they're going to, they're going to have a big impact as well. New opportunities, new neighborhoods, new cultural venues, new thinking in how we develop and add worth to cities. Who knew there could be such power and potential from the night? I did. This has been Season 3, Episode 5 of Nighttime Economy, the 24-Hour Nation podcast. Visit our website at 24hournation.com and follow us on social media to discover more about the people, programs, and possibilities in cities at night. My name is Randall White. <laughs>